Elissa A. Bonin masterfully builds worlds where fantasy and Filipino culture coexist in her debut novel, Dauntless. We follow Sari as she vows to help protect her people from the beasts that hide in the trees that Sari calls home. Sari soon discovers that her people are not the only ones to exist in the world as she meets Sana. They team up to help keep their nations from entering into a deadly war. We speak with Alyssa about the importance of pulling away from the European perspective and centering stories through a Filipino lens featuring queer characters, how her love of fantasy began, and how she unwinds after a long day with Japanese sword fighting. Stay tuned for another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzy'sbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses podcast. We're your hosts. My name is Denny. And I am Veronica. And today we are joined with a very special guest all the way from Germany. We are joined with our YA pick for the month of September, which is Denny's birthday pick of the month. Yes. Author Alyssa A. Bonin. Um, Alyssa was born and raised in the Philippines, after which she moved to the United States to study chemistry and later oceanography. After completing her doctorate, she moved to Germany to work as a postdoctoral scientist. A lifelong learner, Alyssa is always convinced that she should maybe take a class in something, and as a result, has amassed an eclectic collection of hobbies. But writing will always be her true love. Publishing a book has been her dream since she was eight years old, and she is thrilled to finally be able to share her stories. She is the author of Dauntless, which is our book of the month, and Stolen City, I'm sorry, Stolen City, which comes out in September later in the month. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're excited. We're excited for people to read Dauntless. This was a, a, an amazing read for us. Um, mm -hmm. And it is a pleasure to have a, a Filipino fantasy writer in our presence. This yes. really means a lot. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed Dauntless. <laughs> yeah, fantasy and sci-fi and speculative fiction um, was my first introduction to reading. So that is why I love it. And that is why I picked it. But before we continue to talk about your novel, we just like to ask a couple of questions so the listeners and the future readers of Dauntless may get to know you more. So um, what, is the, what is something that you miss the most um, about the Philippines? Oh, gosh. Um, it depends on the day. So right now it's summer. So thankfully in Germany, it's really warm right now. Maybe not so thankfully since we're having a drought. But in the winter, I definitely miss, um, I miss the peat. I, I love, I love the climate. Um, I, it, you know, sometimes the humidity gets to you in the Philippines, but I prefer the heat to the cold. Um, I miss the beach. I miss the food all the time. So basically any time of year, um, you can catch me craving Filipino food. And it's especially bad now that I live in a, kind of a smaller town in Germany where we have not that many Asian restaurants around um, and definitely no Filipino restaurants. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What is your Filipino food that you crave the most? I mean, I guess, you know, it depends on the day, the season, the time, the time of the year. But what is something that you look forward always eating? I have an enormous sweet tooth. So I guess I'm always looking for desserts. Um, I really miss like the flavor of ube, ube ice cream, all those things. Um, I miss, so my island has this dessert called San Srival, which is basically, yeah, you know what it is. I can see. Yeah. <laughs> explain um, to the people explain what it is. for the people who don't know. <laughs> it's basically 
imagine a layer cake, but if you take out everything that's not like butter and nuts and sugar, um, and it's held together by, I don't know, magic or something. And it's definitely not good for you, but um, I def I, I, it's one of the things I miss. Uh, I miss street food also sometimes. Like I'll just get a craving for just being able to go out and get a snack from the street corner that's always made fresh and that doesn't cost too much. And um, yeah, it's me at different times. Yeah. Sensrival is like a butter cake. Like yeah. it's held on by butter. It's, it's made it's basically butter. just butter. Yes. And <laughs> and it has nuts. I think it's peanuts, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes, it's so good. Like <laughs> when you taste it, you're like, oh my God, I gain you would gain 10 pounds just by eating one one spoonful. You're oh, absolutely chewed up. <laughs> it's it's like a death wish, but it's the best way to die. <laughs> like looking at it, it's just um looking at it will break your diet yes just yeah just <laughs> looking very, at it it's very decadent now that yeah. I think about it my son is three years old next month and he loves butter now mm-hmm. I'm thinking of how I can make this without the peanuts because he's allergic but I digress it's I just, think you could maybe use is he allergic to other nuts too or just peanuts and walnuts oh um I'm sure there's something you could use yes as a substitute you just want something with the crunch the right. important thing is the butter yeah is that something like you, maybe you could substitute with like pretzel maybe it wouldn't work the same way no maybe like mm. almonds maybe. almonds if he's not almonds would have been my go-to if he's not allergic to that but. you learn something new every day <laughs> yeah um what is the most eclectic hobby that you've picked up because you have you have to do something all the time i spent six years learning japanese sword fighting wow yeah. <laughs> That is so cool. I am not the most athletic of people, so I won't claim to be very good at it. Please do not, like, audience, if you see me at a con, please don't come at me with a sword. (laughs) But um, I was really interested in it. So when I lived in Seattle, there was a a dojo that taught just sword fighting, and I I really wanted to to join and try it out. Um, Yeah. Is that something that you incorporate that knowledge of within your books? Yes. So if you if you read Dauntless and my other fantasy novels, I have my characters do a lot of fighting. Um, and a lot of how I imagine the fight scenes comes from the martial arts classes that I used to take. I haven't done any martial arts in the past two years because of the pandemic, but I used to be really into it. And um, I would sort of block out the fight scenes in my head. That's wow, what's up. That's, that's so cool. cool. That's why the fight scenes are very detailed. Mm-hmm. Now that explains why it is the way that it is. Because I was like, I was even telling my husband, like, I feel like if this was like made into something that he would watch it because he would he likes all the fighting. <laughs> <laughs> that's his thing. Um, which anime are you fond of right now? Right now, um, we just started watching, we, we started rewatching Gundam Seed out of, because we're preparing for the new Gundam anime that's coming out in October. And I watched this as a teenager, and this was my like teenage hyperfixation for two years. <laughs> so I'm rewatching it. I'm seeing a lot of things that I missed completely when I was a kid, but I'm also realizing this is very, very YA. So this is just like a super robot story about a kid who's just chilling in his high school when his entire colony gets blown up by people who are with his former best friend. And now he like he discovers he has a mysterious twin sister and has to like get in the robot and save everyone. Um, and I was like, oh, that explains why I liked it as a teenager, because this is incredibly, <laughs> incredibly young adult. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, th- those were the days where like Gundam and then Evangelion, where they all like fight in the little robot things. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what is the coolest thing that you have learned as a scientist? Coolest thing that I have learned as a scientist. Um. Oh wow. Uh, I'm gonna need a minute on this one. <laughs> uh. Okay. So something that I was just reminded of today, did you know that during the last ice age, there were ice sheets, you know, there were ice sheets on most of the planet. 
did you know that those ice sheets were so heavy they actually pushed the earth down um, so that the ground so Antarctica for example was covered in way more ice uh, back in the last ice age than even it was before climate change and that was so heavy it actually pushed all of the land in Antarctica down below sea level so ever since the last ice age um, that ice has been melting that ice when that ice melted that land has been coming up slowly like when you push down on a mattress and, and it comes back up it's been doing that like three to four milliliters uh, millimeters every year or something since the last ice age see the more you yeah. know wow learn something here kids it's like watching pbs for the ears <laughs> that is cool <clears throat> yes well i i'm like just imagining stuff in my head because that's what i do um but for our listeners and our like your future readers can you tell us a quick synopsis of what dauntless is all about so Dauntless is a YA fantasy. Um, it's sapphic and it's set in a Filipino-inspired world, which basically means that instead of setting the story in a world um, based on medieval Europe, I said, hey, how about we move this story south and set it in an, the climate and the, the climate of the Philippines with Filipino characters in the front seat. It's the story of a girl named Seri who is basically trying to find her own path in life after something terrible happens to her at home. Uh, she ends up being the assistant to a famous hero in her people. And along the way, as they're exploring the world, she discovers that they aren't the only people in the world. She meets uh, someone called Sana, but in, and they fall in love. But in order for them to be together, they have to stop their peoples from going to war. So... It's basically forbidden love, um, exploration, adventure, epic fantasy, all that stuff. Um, so Dauntless is uh, very character driven, specifically, uh, you know, female driven. How important was it to have different types of women be in the center of your novel, be it them cis or uh, with your main characters, uh, uh, queer characters? So it was very, very important that the center of this book, this book would be all female characters because I grew up on fantasy. And even before we, we talk about the sapphic aspect of Dauntless, I grew up reading fantasy, watching shows and all of these. And I was so upset that the girls were always the side characters mm -hmm. or the, the, the person waiting at home for the hero, right? I desperately wanted to see... Um, a female character in a fantasy novel that was the hero that didn't need anybody else to be the hero for her yeah. um, that didn't need to compromise for anybody or apologize to anybody so when I started writing fantasy I decided I was going to write that like I was just going to write female characters in the front seat and they were just going to be badass and I wasn't going to to take any questions um, but in Dauntless in particular, it was important for me because I wanted to show characters that weren't just female, but also Filipino. And at least for two of the, the three leads, um, queer. So when I started writing Dauntless, I'd known for a very long time I was bi, but I'd never told anybody about it. And I'd never really fully internalized what that meant. Um, and Sari is actually the first queer character that I've written in, in original fiction because I realized when I was writing her that, I, I don't know, she just did not feel, I wanted to give her a romance, but she just did not feel like a straight girl to me. And I realized that rather than fight this and push Sari into a box that I wasn't comfortable with, I, I felt, you know, maybe it was time for me to feel ready and start writing a little bit closer to my own truth. Thank you for that. Because, uh, you know, one of the things that pulled us to your novel was the fact that it was you know this Filipino uh, fantasy but knowing the behind the the background story of this book it makes me wonder you know like within writing that character what if you don't mind sharing what was the thing that you found yourself that you learned about yourself more as you as this particular character I think other so when I was writing Dauntless I was finishing up my PhD I was working on my thesis and I was um, at that point, I'd been working in grad school for six years doing a master's and a PhD. And I reached this point where I was very discouraged by what I was doing. And I just didn't think that I had it in me to finish and keep going. Um, and I think writing this story 
about a, a young girl who starts off really insecure, starts off mirroring a lot of the same things I was feeling, and who ends up becoming the hero of her own story. That sort of, that was me giving myself a pep talk in a way, just telling myself to like finish what you started and go do the scary thing and go be brave. And I think, you know, finishing this book and writing the story through to completion also helped me realize that I had it in me to do my thesis and finish my thesis, defend it and walk away with my PhD. So. Congratulations to all of that. Thank you. So your book is fantasy, but you have tied some Filipino cultural aspects within your novel, such as, you know, the tinikling dance and like mm-hmm. the, the chicken adobo or like the skewers, the mangoes, all of it. When you were creating this world, um, was the Philippines the layout in which she would build up the story from? And why, why was that important that we are front and center? So, yes, um, when I was building this world, I started with the idea that they were in not the Philippines because, you know, they're in a fantasy world. So they're in their own unique setting. But I said I was tired of writing books set in basically not Europe, but actually Europe. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, why couldn't we have one of those? Like, why couldn't we have our climate and our culture be the backdrop? Um, so that was very That was intentional and very important to me from the start, because I think growing up, I just didn't see any of it. I didn't see any, um, any, I didn't see, basically, I didn't see any representation at all. Like outside of the Philippines, it was like we didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And this was wild to me because, I mean, we spent so much time in our childhood learning about the U.S., And then when I moved to the U.S., I would say, you know, I'm from the Philippines. And they're like, where's that? Like, you know, the you you colonized us for 50 years. Like (laughs) that place. Um, (laughs) What? Yes. You have Uh, bases there. They're like, yeah, nobody. Yeah. Nobody knows. And I that frustrated me because I I wanted to see us and I wanted to I wanted to read the fiction that I loved, but I wanted to have us in it. Um, nowadays, we're really lucky. I mean, we could always do more, but when I think about the representation I had as a kid and all of the books coming out now with Filipino main characters, it's it's like incomparable difference. Um, there are there are at least there are enough books coming out with Filipino main characters that I could fill part of a bookshelf. And in the past, I couldn't even have named one. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was writing Dauntless, I didn't know about any of them. And I, I, I just wanted to write the story. I just wanted to have us be the heroes and come in to save us. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. When did you start writing characters that were Filipino? Was it very from the very beginning or is this something that you found yourself gradually starting to write? So this is, um, it was not, it, it was later than it should have been, I think, in my life, because I grew up in the Philippines. I, I fully graduated high school there, and then I moved to the States. And I was writing even as a student there. But even as a student sitting in the Philippines, surrounded by Filipinos, um, I was writing characters that had blonde hair and blue eyes or red hair and green eyes, like, and they were walking around eating bread and cheese, or they were or I was trying to write contemporary fantasy, but I knew nothing about how American high schools work. And I actually remember sitting there and telling my friends who, my friends were very interested in my writing. So we would sit at lunch and I would tell them what I was working on. And I would tell them, you know, I just can't write anything set in the real world because I don't know how American high schools work. Mm -hmm. And we were fully high school students at this time. And my friends who were also, you know, we we were sitting in our high school were looking at me and nodding like, yeah, that, that's tough. I don't know how American high schools work either. Um, and I don't know why it took me so long to realize because now I wish I could go back and like grab me out of that scene. You're like, you are in high school. You know how high school works. It's just a different kind of high school. Um, yep. I think that I kept writing basically white characters for a really, really long time, even after moving to the States. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I started trying to write Filipino characters. Hmm. 
Yeah, that that speaks a lot because I recently went to my mother's house and I was going through some of my old things from my childhood. And uh, we were doing this thing where uh, when I was in elementary school, we would write books and then we would do this big book festival and all the kids in the in the entire school would have these circles and you could read them and my story was the prom and I looked at the pictures that I drew and I'm like none of these characters look like me and hearing you talk about it in this in this way really shows you how embedded we were uh in regards to what representation was in our minds of what we wanted literature to look like and what we thought it should look like and not being able to see that representation and how within your book you're changing an entire landscape right you're going to have teenagers who are going to be able to find themselves in the in the books that you're reading and that is a tremendous thing i'm so happy that someone can read Dauntless and find themselves in it. And I'm really happy that I don't have to be the only piece of this puzzle. Like the, mm -hmm. every, it, it feels like every month or so there's a new like Filipino author announcing a book deal. And that just makes me really happy to see. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like we, it's not a hidden secret. I also grew up in the Philippines. So everything that I consumed were basically like, you know, Caucasian characters, mm -hmm. Caucasian like literature, and since we were colonized, it it almost seemed like, you know, we have to consume like just whatever white people consume. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But if it destroys you internally in your perception of what right and wrong is in your mind and how you look at yourself, then that I think where the problem really lies. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to to break from that. I think also maybe in my 20s, because if it's embedded to you, like since the day you were born, it's so hard to get that out of your system. Mm. And, yeah. it, and it's like the media it's presented to you. It's so hard to search for something that you don't even know what you're looking for. Like you don't even know that this this thing or like Dauntless can can occupy a space in your like brain. Like mm. that was not something that I thought of before because I didn't think that it was possible. Absolutely. Like I, um, so I didn't grow up in Manila. I didn't grow up speaking Tagalog. Um, and so we had Filipino TV, we had Filipino media, but it was mostly in Tagalog. And since that was not the language that I knew, I didn't watch it. I grew up watching the English language shows that were imported from the States. And that was basically the media that I consumed growing up. Wow. So yeah, I, I, I never even thought like, if you asked me as a kid what I would want, I, I, it never would have occurred to me to want a Filipino character in, I, I would even like as a kid, I would get happy whenever someone on a TV show mentioned the Philippines, right. like for three seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it's, it's a real thing. It's see like how like media can like change, like it's can either make or break you like mm -hmm. mentally as a child. So going back to Dauntless, you have developed a world with like two opposing forces, right? Like mm -hmm. the aliens and the beasts, um, which to me somewhat echoes like good, good and evil. Um, you let readers understand that sometimes there might be gray areas in this realms and it's up to them to decide on how they feel about it. Um, what else did you want uh, to impart to your readers regarding like the worlds that you've created? I think in both Dauntless and Stolen City, which is a very different kind of book, but it's coming out shortly after Dauntless, I never intended to write anything into these books that was more than just me wanting to have adventures in fantasy land. Um, but as I was reading over them, I realized that I wrote in both books this, this sort of question. I was sort of grappling with colonization in both books in a way. In Dauntless, it was, um, what do you do if you're exploring and you think you're alone in the world and you take everything that you find for yourself, what do you do if you run into somebody who already claims part of this, this as their own? Um, how, do you, how do you manage that interaction? And Stolen City is, is straight up about stealing from colonizers. Um, and I think that I, I ask myself those questions all the time. Um, I don't intend to put them in my fiction, but they just end up being there because not just was the Philippines colonized for most of its like written history that we have, um, quite a lot of that colonization was done by, by about half of my ancestors. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm half Spanish um, and I, 
I do sit around a lot and I think about what that means for me and how I grapple with that. So that those themes end up in my fiction a lot. They ended up in Dauntless, they end up in Stone City. Um, and in both books, I have a character between two worlds, um, sort of just trying to figure their way out and, and figure how they, they fit things together for themselves. So, yeah, because yeah. I think sometimes, you know, like even you're, even if you're colonized, like there's some part of it, like you said, you become part of, of the bigger picture. So there's always two of, two of them in you, but it's up to you how to make that that matter or worth worth I get I guess like expressing on how you want to be seen in the world um, absolutely can you describe your process of like world building like how did you come up you know because not everybody can make a make make worlds <laughs> <No>. <laughs> not everybody can can just be like oh I want to do this and like do it in a manner where people where other people can understand it right yeah um so the world building for Dauntless it actually wasn't, I, I don't remember it being um, something that was super hard to do because I already decided I wanted the base to be in the Philippines, which meant that I, um, a lot of the, the basic stuff, like the way the world feels, I already knew. Like I know how the humidity feels on your skin. I know how you want to keep the bugs away from you at night. I know how the air smells. I know how the characters would feel as they're walking, like physically feel as they're walking through the world. And then the fantastical elements, um, they kind of just came in one after another. So I started with this mental picture that I really wanted. Um, I, I just really, really liked the idea of cities and trees. I just thought that was like a, such a cool, fantastical mental image to have. So I said, I want this. Um, but then you build that into the world and you have to ask yourself, why are they in the trees? Mm. Um, and so I started thinking, well, obviously they went up there because there's something very dangerous on the forest floor. So I said, okay, what that, what's that danger? And that's how the beasts came to be. And then I realized I wanted to write about exploration. So I said, well, exploration in a world like this would be really dangerous. So I need to give the people who explore some advantage against the beasts. Um, and then it became this whole thing about collecting the armor from them. Uh, so I, everybody writes differently. I don't like to do too much work before the story starts because by the time I've mapped out everything, I'm already bored with the idea. Um, so I usually just like to have a few like images in my head of how the world is and a few important things that the characters might be working towards or striving for. And then for the rest, it's just sort of world building by question and answer. Like, mm -hmm. I. I want the characters to find this cool thing. Okay, why does it exist? Who put it there? Why do they put it there? Um, what's that mean? You know, things like that. How long did it take you to write this story? I started on the 1st of July, 2018. Um, I, I'm not just pulling that off the top of my head. Um, so I, when I got my author copies, I decided to, to write on the inside, like the first day that I started writing and then the, the second uh, the, the day that it sold and the day that I finished and all these things. So I know that I started, um, I started this for July NaNoWriMo or Camp NaNoWriMo um, in 2018. And I finished it in like October, 2019. So a little over a year. Um, what is it about the fantasy genre that makes it such a comfortable space for you to live and work in? I am a complete space case and I am not... Uh, I'm very loosely tethered to the real world. Um, <laughs> so, in a good way. In a good, yeah, way. In, in a good way. I uh, I grew up um, basically feeling out of place and not really understanding the world around me. I'm autistic, so I didn't really um, connect very well with my peers, at least like as a kid. But I also learned to read very quickly and. I, I just started getting like enamored with these impossibilities. So these like things that, that couldn't happen in the real world, but they would happen in my books. And it's like, well, what if we had magic? Well, what if we could ride dragons? What if we could do this? And I think that's, that's where it started. And so I remember being very little and just looking out the window on Rotris and being like, what if a dragon um, just like flew past the window? And, and I just, kept pursuing that interest like 
into adulthood. And I think that's, yeah. I like fantasy because it lets you imagine, it lets you push characters in ways that um, I think other genres can't because you can take a normal human being and put them in a situation that's completely impossible mm. and you can see how they'd react. Um, and I think that's, for me, that's the neatest thing. So I'm, I'm not always, like my favorite types of fantasy stories are the ones where you, where they show you how the regular human person that you've just thrown into this like um, fantastical world is actually dealing with being in the fantastical world. Like, I love that. It's like, oh, you blew up a mountain. How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. Right. How do you feel about that? <laughs> so, you, you know, as a neurodiverse writer, what was the like most important learning that you discovered about yourself? while writing Dauntless or after you wrote it? Like specifically as a neurodiverse writer, um, I don't really have anything while writing Dauntless because Dauntless uh, was, I've been writing since I was eight and I've been trying to get myself to write novels. So Dauntless is not my first attempt at writing a novel. And um, it, it comes out of the graveyard of many, many like stories in the past. But I think as a neurodiverse writer, I, I had to develop techniques to trick my brain into just finishing projects. Um, I think for me, and this does not work for everybody because um, I have a family full of autistic people and I've tried to teach them like what I do and they're like, this doesn't make sense. So they take this with a grain of salt, but I am obsessed with keeping time and figuring out um, how long it takes me to do stuff. So for me, um, I just became very, very good at carving out tiny chunks of time and saying, okay, you're going to write like 300 words in this chunk of time that I've put into your schedule. Mm -hmm. um, setting goals, dividing them, dividing these goals up into manageable chunks, uh, having a structure to the story. So when I, when I write a novel, I always start with the structure. I say, I actually say, this is going to have 27 chapters. Like I, I make that number random. And I say, okay, well, if it's 100,000 words, and it's 27 chapters, each chapter has this many words. And um, sometimes I'll play with things like uh, what I did with Dauntless was I had the first few chapters have be longer. And then the, the, the chapters get shorter as we, as we went on. Um, I don't know why, but that helps me. Like having that structure in my head and then saying, okay, now play, but you have to keep to the structure kind of helps me not freak out about the fact that, that, in writing anything is possible and you're looking at a blank page and everything is infinite. Um, because it's like, oh, you can do anything, but you have to stick with these arbitrary rules you set yourself. So I don't know, that's my little autistic mind hack for how I, I finish my writing and how I don't get stuck. But yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's a good way to get through with the task. Cause you know, sometimes you have to make those, those goals for yourself to get through it. And you, mm -hmm. Oh, look what you did you wrote a book <laughs> it's like two the books. best way two that books. you could use uh that you could use that uh technique um in your acknowledgments I know you 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 mentioned them earlier but in your acknowledgments you 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 thank a few people who were uh the first to see Dauntless the pages of Dauntless before it came out into the world and and how was it to um get the input and how much of that input did you use from those extra eyes that were able to read those early pages of the novel? Um, so I think that, I, I don't know, maybe there is a writer out there who can write really cleanly from start to finish completely by themselves. And if so, I salute them because I am not that. <laughs> um, I, I get so stuck in my own head when I'm revising. Like I can fix grammar, I can fix awkward sentences, but I don't really know how to, to fix what's not working, like how to break apart a story and, and decide this element's not working, it needs to go, or this needs to go earlier, or this needs to go later. Um, and that's where having extra eyes has really helped me. I think uh, having somebody actually, you know, I can, I can sit there and I can say, for some reason, this character's not working, but I... I'm still not the best at figuring out how to fix that on my own. So having someone come in and say, how about you do this um, is really immensely helpful to me. 
So speculative and uh, science fiction is a niche type of fiction to me that is, you know, not everybody dabbles in it. And sometimes it's even harder for people of color to thrive in these genres. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we talked about earlier. What do you tell people that want to write and be published in this specific type of literature? It's speculative and, and fantasy, basically science fiction and fantasy. Um, write what you love, because if you try and chase the market, you won't enjoy yourself. Everybody will be able to tell that you're not enjoying yourself and the market will have moved on by the time you, mm. you finish what you're working on. Um, I think that I'm not going to lie, like it's challenging and it's challenging for a lot of the reasons that we all know about, we all, we all learn. Uh, but the important thing when you're writing is that you enjoy what you're writing, that you are writing the book that's most important to you. And um, if you do that, I, I believe that you can really tell when you read a book, if a writer was having fun, like if a writer was writing something that, that is, was important to them and wasn't just checking boxes. And I think that passion will carry through into the work. Um, and hopefully it will find its home. Like, like you said, it's very difficult, especially for BIPOC folks to, to break into the publishing industry as it is. But um, I think that like that's two separate things, right? Like there's the challenges of breaking into the industry and then there's writing the book that you really want to write. And I think you should start with writing the book you really want to write. And then we can um, we can think about how to break in if, if that's what you want or how to go uh, indie if that's if that's what works better for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've been talking about this writing process, right? And and the book being published and us reading it. And so we're we're all aware of the work um, that comes to bring a book into fruition. But will you talk to us about the work that happens after the book has come out and seen light? How has that process been for you? Well, it's been just less than, just a little bit over two weeks for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, I, I don't know, I don't think it has really hit me that Dauntless is out in the world um, because I live in Germany and it's not on shelves where I am. And also I have another book coming out in a month. So I, I think I'm just living in an exhaustion blur right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's a lot of work. I get to do cool stuff like this. Um, I also get to take pictures, take fun pictures. Like, I, I don't think anybody, I don't think I, I've been told, but I don't think I could have ever prepared for the amount of um, the interest, the amount of extra work you get when you publish a book. So I, uh, have had the opportunity to write some guest posts for really cool people. I've had like requests to do interesting things like take a picture of my dog with the book for a promo activity. Um, did, like take a picture of myself in nature with the book, like read the book out loud to my phone um, as it's <laughs> taking a, a video of me. Um, it's all good stuff. It's just like, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's definitely, um, it's definitely been a highlight, but there, there's a lot more that goes into publishing than just writing. And the thing is like, I can't even imagine what it would be like if Dauntless had, had hit a list or anything. I think I would just be completely swamped. <laughs> <laughs> so Dauntless, is it only out right now in the US? It's out, it's technically world out. So Dauntless sold world English rights, which means that it's technically out all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, but our English section in my bookstore here is very small. And I think a lot of the YA that is there is the, the really popular YA. Um, they have actually, they have some surprising choices that I really am into, but it, they, those were also books that were published like last year. So I think it takes a while for, for English language books to show up in non-English language countries if they didn't make an enormous splash as soon as they came out. The days prior to your book release coming out for, for Dauntless, um, you were doing something really cool on Instagram where you were in conversation with other young adult authors. Mm -hmm. What um, was this pre-celebration like for you and how important was it to find authors uh, within this community that you, that you reside in as writers? It was so much fun. So actually, um, 
that came together surprisingly smoothly. I, I've been friends with a lot of, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of other YA authors, like over the course of this journey. And when I mentioned to each of them, hey, it would be cool to do an Instagram live as we talk about the book, like so many people just agreed. And I, I had a blast because um, I never really thought of myself as an Instagram live kind of person because I'm really shy, but I love book people. I just, I just love talking to people about books and I can do that for hours. So at first I was like, we're never going to be able to fill an hour. And then at every, almost every single live, I had to tell the other person we have to stop. (laughs) Um, It was just, it was a lot of fun and I'm doing it again for Stolen City. So we're going to have six Instagram lives this time around. No. Um, Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we can catch at least one or two or three or all of them. Um, So this this book I chose primarily because of the reasons why you wrote it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we it's often hard to find first fight like fantastical fantasy authors that are not afraid to write about our culture or who we are and I think I we tr- I tried to do this every year for my birthday that I try to pick specifically Filipina authors that I know can write more and be more for for our like generation and like generations to come so thank you for writing such wonderful characters I hope you know the reception for Stolen City would be bigger and brighter and I hope you know wherever you are in Germany that one day you get to you get to see your books on the shelves because mm. I think you know us having me seeing those books here is kind of like oh my gosh like you know it's like some like a story about me kind of I'm not fantastical <laughs> but you know like stories about my culture is in the shelves I don't know how that would feel if you would see like your own books like you know where you are so hopefully that'll come for you soon I mean I might cry if you see me like if you see a news article that someone just like had a complete breakdown in a bookstore in DC in September um just yeah that might be me <laughs> uh, actually it's really sweet my sister has been going around because she lives in that area and she's she she was on her way to Jollibee and she hit up every indie bookstore like between her and the Jollibee and walked in and was like I'm that sister and do you have this book and if you have this book can I have your card because my sister's coming to visit me and like she wants to come in and sign books so I think I'll be leaving a trail of, of signed books in my wake but I just I wanted to say something uh, about what you said because I think Uh, I'm not fantastical either, but the stories, I mean, like I said before, like fantasy isn't just about escapism. You're hiding real stories in the fantastical Mm. and in in the impossible. And I think the story of Dauntless is, you know, being scared to do something, which I was. I was very scared to write this book. Um, Mm. And I still am scared sometimes. I have family members who would not, who would raise all kinds of hell if they actually read the book um I have you know I'm always worried that I'm not Filipino enough to write these stories I'm always scared and I think we're always scared I think like in the world that we live in right now we're always scared but Dauntless is a story about facing your fears and doing the scary things and pushing through them and I think that's something that we can all do that we don't have to be like fantastical and fighting monsters uh, to do yeah yeah we have our own monsters to slay in the real and I think you know writing books like this gives children the courage to be able to to slay their own be it you know them dealing with having to come out to their parents or you know going forward with something that they were afraid to do and I think that's what you're outlining in this book and we and we thank you for that so we've come to a part of our conversation that I love so much is which we like to ask all of our writers what their top five favorite books are of all time. We understand that this might not be set in stone that by the time you <laughs> jump off of this conversation that you're like, no, this is not what I wanted to say. So we also like to give people a second option. If your top five is too hard for you to commit to we like to know what are your top five favorite books that you want people to know that are coming out 
that are written by other friends of yours that you might have coming out, other projects or whatever that you want people to know about? Okay, uh, I guess I can talk about my top five favorite books, but I, I need to make clear that these aren't my top five of all time. These are the top five favorite books that I can remember right now at this moment in time. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. If I come out and clarify, um, don't don't all don't everybody all jump on me at once. Yes, don't, <laughs> um, don't for her. We'll come. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, you know she affected. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon, um, The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri. Uh, hmm. Wow, five. Um, you know, it's pretty standard fantasy, and it's probably like the most standard you can get. But The Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson uh, came to me at a very dark point in my life, and um, I'm just gonna keep reading them. Um, that's like five books already. So <laughs> but, no, I'm going to keep going. Um, keep on going. Uh, the Wolf of Oren Yarrow by K.S. Filioso is like really good. Um, and wow, I know I've read more books than that. <laughs> I know I saw um, Instagram posts like way below. You had one where I think it was Never Let Me Go. Oh yeah, Never Let Me Go was a lot of uh, was a wild ride. I read it um, on a flight, and at the end of the flight, I was just so unsettled. Um, yeah, it was this Instagram post. It was like, "What's your favorite book that's not in your genre?" And it's like, well, it's technically sci-fi, but that one was that one was was really fun. Um, I love books. I'm always reading, and I'm always picking up new books. So my favorite books changes, but yeah, I think that's a sign of a good reader where you're like, this is where I am right now. This is what I'm in love with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not afraid to change and to see what else is out there. Uh, yeah. so I, that's, a, that's a solid top five list for this conversation today. Yes. <laughs> and I can tell you what I like. I like doorstopper fantasies that transport me into a different world. Uh, so good worlds, epic scenes, and uh, just long enough that I can run away from the real world for a bit that that's my cup of tea yeah yes. don't we like that all yes. like where we can run away from from the real world what is the most like challenging type of fiction that for you is like ah it's not my favorite but I'll give it a chance I'm for just me? this is just for me right now I don't oh, care oh god uh <laughs> horror I'm huh? sorry horror writers y'all you guys are doing great but I am a baby um <laughs> See, I'm so, not alone in the world yeah <laughs> I, I have to close my eyes at particularly scary movie trailers um, or I will wake up everybody around me. Yeah, I, I, I am the oldest by five years in my siblings and I would wake up as a kid. I would wake up my little sister who was a toddler and say, can I sleep in your bed? Like, <laughs> so horror is not <laughs> my thing. See, but it, it finds its way into my work anyway. Like creepy stuff finds its way into my work because I grew up being told scary stories, which like, you know, um, yes. yeah. Like you are in perpetual fear of everything and anything that might mm -hmm. be flying, walking, swimming outside of your house. Because Veronica likes to torture me with horror stuff. I'll torture you. That's, that's a her strong word. That's that's her favorite kind of like, not really genre, but she likes that. She likes to basically have, oh, let's watch this. And it's like, just all like. You come at your own <laughs> free will, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> but see, it's, it's always good to know that I'm not alone. And I'm not the weirdest out of the bunch today. Because, hmm. Well, as a kid, I used to love it. Like I used to get these, do you remember those true Philippine ghost stories that would be like yes. these magazines that we'd pass around? Like I would, I was addicted to those. And then my mom would come in my room, like you have all the lights on. <laughs> or how are you sleeping? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not sleeping. That's the point. <laughs> so spend rosary under my pillow and holy water next to my bed. And like... <laughs> like don't come for me today <laughs> so speaking of horror like because I like to digress you should watch Tresse in Netflix I did I did I actually like sat there and watched all of it um 
I think Tresse is the kind of horror that I'm okay with because it's really, it's very fantasy. It's, it, yes. it, it's more dark fantasy and right. I really enjoyed it. So season two, when? I don't know. Oh man, yeah. I, I Google it every once in a while and they're, it's still up in the air, but I hope it comes, comes soon. You might have more pull than us though. <laughs> so if you're oh, right, gosh. Answer, you, you might be, you might get an answer. Like these, these people right here are just, you know, <laughs> strangers but you actually are a writer a publisher you're a scientist established person yes you can get some answers oh I don't think so I think like um even with all that like I'm not the kind of writer where I say something and and things happen I'm not I'm not there yet <laughs> yeah but we're gonna speak into existence and yeah. hopefully you know um I'm sure a lot of people would love Dauntless it's such a great book um so much so much in it um a lot of a lot of representation i think it'll do well for for years to come and i'm hope I'm, I'm i hope so that you know you would get to write more of these stories for for us big kids and for like the little ones because i'm sure you know you you never outgrow fantasy and you know you never outgrow like your dreams and um all of that stuff where you were thinking about it as a kid so hopefully yeah keep writing them because we're here Thank you. to read them well you know i'm um i'm currently working on something that's coming out in 2024 and it has a filipino american main character in it so it's actually a contemporary fantasy set in a magic school so that that'll be fun yes that'll okay. be really fun because you know i'm i was of the age when you know the harry potters and all of that stuff were coming mm -hmm. out they're all like very eurocentric so you know some you know, I, we're seeing a lot more of like, you know, pivoting that topic and like magic and giving it to like people of color, I think is really, really great. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, podcast today in celebration of Denny's birthday. Um, we, we truly are grateful for it and we hope that the rest of your evening there in Germany goes well. Thank you. And thanks so much. This was a blast. And um, yeah, I hope that your birthday goes well. Uh, yep. Happy birthday. And thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hopefully your DC trip would be, you know, whatever your whatever your heart desires for that trip. Hopefully whatever comes out from it would bring you the most joy and leave trails of yourself in DC. And we'll be watching from the gram and the Twitter. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, you take care. Okay. Yes. Take care too. And thank you again. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed our show. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Vulgar Geniuses. Our theme song that you're nodding your head along to was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Dammit. That's S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. See you soon! Deuces. Deuces.